This is Michael Martin with the National Wood Flooring Association, and you're on the Real Answers podcast with Chris Zizza. Hello, Chris. How are you today? Hey, what's going on? Life's pretty easy today. How about you? You know, things are looking good. Things are looking really good. A couple of things I wanted to bring up before we talk about some wood flooring specific things, but um, in general, we saw just some stuff that came out this morning. Manufacturing employment has risen in nine of the past months, so we're starting to get past that that point of COVID again with we're still down like 561,000 workers over the past 12 months in general, but nine of the 10 months have increased by about 20 to 25,000 a month. So we are making up for those and making some progress there. With that said, manufacturing is doing pretty well, but supply chain distributions are still a significant challenge. I think we're seeing that, you know, not just in this industry, but in every industry, the backlog of orders is just soaring. What I read this morning was that they were at the highest levels since 2004. And raw material costs rose at the swiftest rate since 2008. So we're starting to, you know, it's going to get tricky on when you purchase and what you purchase. And uh, there's a whole other bevy of things that we'll be able to talk about on the podcast as this kind of unfolds, because this is going to be a a fairly long-term problem. It's not going to, it's not going to write itself overnight. No, it's not. And we also have a problem in the ports. For those of you who are waiting on stuff that's coming in from Europe or wherever, If it's coming in on a boat, I can tell you right now, most of the ports are jammed up. That's a problem. Yeah, we have a special report coming out on that on hardwood floors. Uh, Actually, the same issue that this podcast is featured in. If you're clicking from the newsletter, there's a special report on just that problem. So uh, take a look at that if if you're interested in more information. But definitely, we're going to see a backlog and, and the timing increase, even with domestic product, just getting stuff through the pipeline and getting, you know, enough employees in at the same time to to get things ramped up. Now, I do have some other good news. We've spent a lot of time uh, in discussion with Orlando over the last couple of weeks and really just the the protocols that they've put in place to hold safe meetings make me comfortable that by July, uh, with the vaccinations going up and the numbers going down on COVID, that we're going to be in pretty good shape to, to have an expo. Our feedback has been pretty positive. We have some exhibitors uh, more on the West Coast that are maybe hanging a little bit of back saying July is too soon for us. Uh, maybe we won't be able to travel or I think the West coast has shut down a little more just from the, what they're going through versus some of the other areas of the country. So that's the only place where we're seeing a, you know, kind of some exhibitors saying, well, we're not sure yet, or we're just going to wait. But other than that, the feedback's been pretty good. The, the we've got great planning done with Orlando and uh, I think we're in good shape. So what's going on in your world, Chris is a, uh, well, in my world, today it happens to be warm because I'm in Alabama, so that's a good thing. Going back to Boston tomorrow, and I wanted to talk a little bit today about a couple things I've been working on, and I've noticed, you know, ever since we started doing Real Answers, if something happens in my daily, I think to myself, is this something we want to share on the show? I don't mind being the guinea pig, and I certainly don't mind, you know, talking about you know, things that have gone wrong in my world, if it helps you guys uh, turn a corner and not have the same problem I maybe uh, had on a project, then at least one of the two of us could save some money in the future. And so I wanted to touch base on that. I got two scenarios, Michael, that I wanted to talk about. One has to do with acclimation, moisture records, and getting ready for a project. And the other one has to do with uh, an encounter I had with a homeowner on the back end of finishing a project and they're both good lessons. And, you know, let, let's start with the inspection I did. That is a seven inch wide, solid character grade, plain sawn 
white oak. Okay. So we got a wide board and we're in the Northeast and it's plain sawn, not rift and quartered and it's solid, not engineered. So everything about this piece of wood is that it's going to shrink in the winter and it's going to expand in the summer. The project was done in the month of July. And again, this is a Northeast project. The state doesn't matter. Just trust me, it was up in the Northeast. I don't want to call anybody out on this. I prefer to just use this as a great lesson. And even myself as a contractor side, even though I happen to be an inspector in this scenario, as a contractor, I'll be changing certain things we've been doing in the past about acclimation uh, or rather recording the acclimation. So this house is in its first winter and it's got serious gaps. And as I went around and did all my measurements, my, my 10 board measurements, my single board measurements, my gap measurements with calipers, um, you know, this is not rocket science. This is just math. And we learned pretty easily that the wood obviously had a higher moisture content at time of installation than it did right now because the floor is gapped and the 10 board measurements were elevated ever so slightly by about three sixteenths of an inch. So I know where the wood was when it went in and it was tight and I know where it is now. And so I just, in my, my first thought was they didn't pay attention to moisture content. It went in elevated. It was July. It acclimated for a week, by the way. So we know it had a chance to pick up moisture. And then they installed it. And he said the air conditioning was on. Now, it's true air conditioning was on. But in the photographs I saw from the time they were installing, both the front and the back door in the house were wide open. So running air conditioning and leaving the doors open doesn't really help you guys. Think about that. When I talked to the installer, his answer to me during the interview process was, you want to know why a seven-inch floor is gapped in February? Oh, that's easy. How about I installed it in the summer? And he laughed. And I said, you know, this is how it went. He's like, why are you even bothering me? He wasn't rude, but he was like, aren't you an inspector? Don't you know this stuff? And here's the thing, guys. This is what we have to be careful of. You know it. I know it. Michael Martin knows it. We all know what we're talking about. But the homeowner in this case, who's really wealthy, it's a very nice home. He's a lawyer. He has nothing but time on his hands to tie up this wood floor guy because he's a lawyer. He's got no legal expenses. And he doesn't know about acclimating. He knows about humidification because he's got humidifiers and he wanted to tell me how well he knew about that. So we had to go through the process of educating this guy what's happened to his floors, that why they shrunk. They shrunk because the wood was probably close to 9% when it went in. And we manufacture 6 to 9%. I'm going to tell you right now, guys, installing a hardwood floor in the Northeast or anywhere in the summertime at a 9% moisture content on a 7-inch wide planes on board, you're going to have big gaps come February. It's just, and if you didn't have that conversation with your customer, you're going to be in the same kind of emotional state that this contractor is in right now because the homeowner is making his life miserable. 
So when I asked the contractor, what was the moisture content? He said, look, we don't record our moisture content. We take our tests. If they're normal, we move forward. If it's not acceptable, we make changes. Here's the thing. I liked his answer, Michael. I was fine with his answer, but he's saying it was fine. But fine meant, because in his head, 9% is a normal July reading. In the real world, what he should have been thinking is, if I'm at 9% today, where's this wood going to be in February? And is that going to be a very big problem for me? Because if it is, I need to take some of this moisture out of this floor or at least have a conversation with my client. And none of that happened. And now this flooring contractor is going to be in a hell of a headache, mostly because he didn't have the conversation with the customer part one. And part two, which is where I'm making a change, he didn't record anything. And I just, I don't think that's smart anymore. You know, I just don't think it's good enough to say, ah, we checked it and it was fine. I think in today's world, it's so easy to take a picture of your moisture reading, email it to yourself, and at least you've got a record. And that took nothing to do. Take the picture, email it to your own email exchange, subject matter, put the address and the client, and then delete the photo. It'll be there when you need it. So, um, that's my lesson on acclimation and taking those readings. And for those of you, you know, that's not affecting your life, think about the people in your supply chain that are buying materials from you that you can educate with this story because you, you have to adjust. You have to know what the moisture content was as you subfloor your flooring if you're going to protect yourself. We have to educate everybody, our installers and our customer or our designer, because everybody runs and ducks for cover and you don't want to be out there without a helmet. And in this scenario, the picture of those moisture readings, that's your helmet. Now, if that moisture reading said 10% and he went ahead, guess who's at fault? Him. These are the things we got to protect guys. And I just want you to protect yourself and not have a problem down the road. What let's take it to a different side. What could he have done? Well, for starters, if I'm doing a seven inch, Planes on, I might shoot for engineered. A three-quarter inch engineer with a good wear layer is probably going to be a little more stable than a full three-quarter solid. So that that would have been a change he could have made. You know, again, this is this podcast is about giving you guys life examples that are happening every day that hopefully you can steer later from a problem. So that's that story. I'd like to jump to the next story, Michael, unless you have something to add pertaining to this one. No, I think I was just that I was wondering, you know, if the guy wanted solid versus engineered, that would have been the opportunity to explain what would have happened. Um, Cause so, I was wondering why he wouldn't have gone with engineered at that width um, as well, opposed to going solid. Here's the funny thing about that. Um, we talked about it through the inspection with the homeowner about engineered versus solid. And she wasn't even aware that engineered was an option. Uh, I met with the with the wife, not the husband. I had phone interviews with the husband who was at his law firm, and, and the wife was there taking notes. But I have a 7,000-foot project right now that we're working on, and it's a 7-inch engineered. And 
not only am I talking to the client about going Rift and Cortison, but I'm going Rift and Cortison and engineered because I want the most stable product I can. This floor that I'm going to do uh, in the Boston market is a it's an off-white, like a cream color. So those gaps, when that floor wants to move, are going to be real. And that's the same thing with this seven-inch plane saw uh, that I inspected. They did a light color on the floor, um, like a whitewash. Those gaps, they show up like just hard black lines, and the customers don't like them. So you got to make that adjustment on the front end, and that's what I'm doing with this other project I'm working on. But on my floor that we just finished, it was I want to say we wrapped up. I think we sanded this person's house in the first week in February. Uh, they came home from their trip. They went away for 10 days, and we sanded their floors. And then we got the call. I want the owner of the company to come to my house right away. And <laughs> that that never goes over well on the front end when you hear that as the owner of the company. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what am I walking into? It's obvious they don't want me to go there so they can tell me how wonderful we are. And it just isn't, man. I knew it was going to be bad. And it was. It was awful. But here's the funny thing about what happened on this project, guys. Existing floor, the house is about 85 years old. It was a 100% true quarter sawn, all quartered, two and a quarter white oak. And all we did was sand it down to bare wood and put three coats of poly on it, sealer and three coats. That's it. Kind of a no-brainer out there in the sand and finish world. We shouldn't have had any kind of a problem, right? You know, unless we had bubbles in the finish or a little bit of debris. But we had none of that. The actual sand job technically looked great. There were no spinner lines anywhere. There was no big machine lines anywhere. The coat laid down perfectly. There wasn't any debris. It wasn't rough in the corners. Everything was looking great, except an ungodly amount of dish out and that's for those of you um who may not know what i'm talking about the soft grain and the hard grain um you know the different parts of a board put up a, a different fight to the sandpaper and when when flooring's new you don't really tend to see that dish out but after 80 years and maybe six or seven sandings of this house Little by little, those the soft grain gets lower and the hard grain stays taller. And if you get to stand back and use some solar glare, you can see the floor is waving to you like a Macy's parade. And I saw it. I did. I walked in and I'm like, huh, look at that. And we got down on our hands and our knees and I ran my hand over each ripple of the grain. And I'm, and I'm showing the husband and the husband going, yeah. That's what we're talking about. What'd you do wrong? I'm like, we didn't do anything wrong. We sanded your floor. I go, it's just a matter of time until eventually this comes up. And then we started talking about hard plating a floor or cutting it at an angle or using a Lagler trio. And I, I used my own expertise to try and explain to him what happened to his floor and to her. And by the way, she's crying. And he's just not happy. And I look like an idiot. Um, but I was sincere. And I explained to them what, what happened. And then I said, listen, there's enough 
meat on the bone here. The, we're, we're not at Staples. The tongues weren't breaking. We could sand this floor again, and I could hard plate it flat and, and get out of jail, and the floor would look fine. I have to pay for them to move. I have to pay for their pod, for their furniture, and I got to pay for their hotel, and I got to do the whole job again. It's only 800 feet. Um, but she was not prepared for this. She's like, I'm not moving out again. Are you kidding me? Ba ba ba. It was awful. So this is what I said as the business owner of CNR Flooring. I said, listen, I see what you see. This is what happened. I can send you book and page. It's page 39 of Problems, Causes, and Cures from the NWFA manual C200, by the way. Um, and you can see what dish out is. And your options are this. Move out and I'll do the floors again at my own cost and I'll pay for everything that has to happen, including your hotel, or you accept what you have and don't, we get a 50% balance uh, deposit on our jobs. I said, just keep the balance and you will have only paid 50% for the floor. And this is the condition it's going to be in. And it, I never like giving a discount. So someone accepts our work. It, it just makes me feel, I don't know, not dirty, but certainly makes me feel like a hack. Um, but it's into customer service. And so I said, whatever. The, in the end, the homeowner said, Chris, you clearly care about us. You're clearly upset over what's gone wrong and you want to make it right. So we'd like to take some time to get back to you and we'll think it over. I said, okay. And I left. She was still not happy. But he didn't feel like he got swindled. I was a professional about it. And we got the email today. Um, they put all the furniture back and they're living with it. And they're going to, you know, not give us our final payment, which was pretty close to 2500 bucks, And uh, and that's where we're at. So lesson learned here, guys, is this. She was arguing, why didn't we tell her about this? in the beginning. And I said, it's an unforeseeable thing, but I think as the professional guys, we have to remember, you know, wide plank, plain sawn, you tend to see dish out in quarter sawn, you tend to see dish out in, and you got to think about hard plating those sanding jobs. And more importantly, talking to the customer about what has to happen. And if you got to cut the floor one extra time to get it flat, let that be your lesson because if you don't, you're just going to have an un unhappy customer and, and nobody wants that. And we all want to get paid. So, you know, lesson learned to the guy who's been in the business 35 years. Uh, I, I didn't take it out on my guys. It wasn't their fault. It's our fault. I didn't educate them enough and prepare them to look at the floor and notice it. To them, even when I talked to the guys, they were like, what? It just looked like, you know, old floors look a little wavy now and then. It's true. And maybe one out of 10 customers are going to call you on it. But it's that one out of 10 customer that's mad at you. I don't care what your industry is. One customer upset is telling 10 other people. And, you know, nine people not upset or nine people happy. They're not running around going, I did my floors and I'm so happy. No, they're just not talking bad about you. So think about the lesson there, Mike.
Well, so let me ask you a question. So I'm just curious, was the floor like this before it was refinished or why didn't it happen before in one of the other jobs? Yeah. So I think I have a good theory on that because in this scenario, the only person who has all the blame is Chris Zizza, me. I'm the one who messed this one up. I sold them the job and I didn't see Dish out when I was there the first time, but here's what I did. I measured a house around several area rugs. The furniture was there. You know, it was just border around there. You don't really tend to see it. And the floors had, hadn't been sanded in about eight or nine years. So they were dull. They were dirty, not dirty. I mean, the, the home was a clean home, but, you know, they were scuffed. They'd had plenty of different cleaners on it. You just didn't notice it the way you did when you walked in and had morning sun gleaming across the entire house. And like I said, that floor was waving like a Macy's Day parade. And uh, it's embarrassing when it happens to somebody who's such a veteran in the industry. Uh, But guess what? It's on me. We did it. I sold it and I had to answer to it. And I'm not holding my guys responsible, but we did sit down and have a meeting and I took out different samples of boards and I showed the guys what we were talking about dish out. And I said, let's keep an eye out for this in the future, guys. We don't want to have this happen again. Yeah. Well, that's, we all learn from our lessons, right? But one of the things that, uh, you know, I think we also have to take into consideration because I was thinking as you were talking about all the things that you should tell the consumer on the front end. But the reality is if you told somebody all the things that could go wrong with the floor on the front end, you're not really helping yourself install wood floor and get a job. So, you know, and I'm not saying that it's not the case, but sometimes, you know, there's, there's gotta be a line. I don't know how you figure out that line of providing enough information to provide comfort, but not too much information to create doubt. No, I think you're right because I'm not going to change my tactic about talking about dish out because she still doesn't understand what the dish out is. She's still in her head is like, well, you should have sold us the option with the flat cutting machine and we could have decided if we wanted to spend the extra money. And I go, no, 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 you don't understand. That's not an option we offer. This is not dialogue we have with a customer every day, but it is an option we know about on our side. So I'm afraid dish out guys needs to be on us. I don't recommend that you go in talking about dish out. I think you need to look at a floor Make note of what the grain is, and if you think you're going to experience some dish out, and then educate your sanders before they go to work that day on making sure that you don't have a problem. Because I agree, Michael, we can't go in, you know, with all the disclaimers, because then they're just going to go, we're not going to do our floors. We're, you know, we like them the way they are. It's good enough. I don't want to risk it. And, and that's not selling hardwood. All right, Chris, is a, anything else you want to talk about? What about your cookbook? What's going on with it? <laughs> you know what? I, I'm I'm not chirping here, but uh, thank you for asking. Believe it or not, my wife was making fun of me about my cookbook, um, Ziz's cookbook, an Italian American dad's guide to cooking with love and tradition. And I I originally made the cookbook just for my two daughters for Christmas, and it it just steamrolled into a production of a couple hundred copies that are out there now, and I was teasing my wife about it and, you know, she's like, honey, you're not published. You're published on Shutterfly, you know, 
And I said to her, I'm telling you, that's what the dialogue was. And I said, I am not. It's actually mixed book. But, uh, <laughs> but here's the funny thing. The punchline is uh, to end the argument. I sent it out to a, a legit publisher and believe it or not, Mike, it got picked up. And so we signed a deal on the book uh, last week. And this kind of stuff only be- happens to you. <laughs> Shut up. That's what my wife said. She's like, only you could do this. But uh, it felt really good that we put something on pen and paper and somebody wants to run with it. So uh, it's going to go out. Uh, from my understanding, I, I get my production coordinator introduced to me next week uh, from the publishing company. It'll take about six months for them to take it out of its uh, its shutter shutterbug or mixed book format and go into a real book and then end up on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and we'll see what happens with it. I hope we have some fun with it. But I can tell you right now, Michael, if that thing sells and we see some money, I'm going to be taking that money and I'm going to send it to places like Little Bit and uh, Friends of the Valley and, and, and other foundations out there because uh, it was a labor of love to put it together for my kids. And if it turns any money, I'd like to see it go towards helping more people. Well, I thank you for the copy that you sent here in the office. It may be worth quite a bit someday. So we're going to hold on to that and uh, make some sauce over the years and and thank our friend Chef ZRD. <laughs> there you go, man. Game on. So um, thanks for asking, by the way. It was a fun thing to do. Uh, I think I'll keep uh, on doing hardwood floors, though, because I don't see me making any real money any day soon being an author. Um <laughs> But it, it's all good over here. I'm uh, looking forward to get back to Boston. We got our PPP funding round two. So we're also in reorganize uh, again at CNR because we don't want to do wrong things whenever, you know, the government's trying to help us. So we're trying to do our part by staying healthy and, and putting everything in the right places. So I'm going home to some organizational meetings this week. And uh, we're going to keep persevering through this whole COVID BS and come out on the other side uh, with some increased sales. All right. We'll keep on keeping on. Thanks for being with us again today. You got it, man. Everybody keep it real out there. And thanks for your time. And thanks for listening. Have a great day and good luck in the upcoming quarter. Bye.